You you grew a backbone. Oh, oh. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> it was worth seeing. Oh my god! I think your eyes took up your entire forehead. <laughs> Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. I'm Bob Galen. So we have a good one. We always have a good one, Bob. I In just fact, told we you we have a great one. Oh, now you're you're setting. The, I hate it when you set the bar up so high. You know that? Why not? Because then all we can do don't is crash and burn don't from be afraid, there, Bob. We don't got be, this. I'm a I'm a weasel. I'm afraid <laughs> the weasel has returned. <laughs> the weasel has returned. Oh, we so, have a theme so, here. so we have a diversity episode. Uh, Metacasters, which sort of leads from our uh, from cl- the previous topics we've talked about. Yeah, from the previous, it's sort of a, a sort of a little journey we're taking on. We want to talk about uh, creating diverse teams, the importance of diversity, and stuff like that. I think it's a good episode. I found myself catching. So don't be offended by. I said something like the, a problem, like pregnancy could be a problem or something. It, I don't. My word choice could have been off on occasions. My heart is it. So see my heart, not my word choice in some cases. But diversity is one of those sort of hard to navigate things sometimes. I think. Yeah, it, it's there's some things that are brought up that can be uncomfortable. Yeah. So how do you talk about them without putting your foot in your mouth? And and you know uh, and appreciating it when you do put your foot in your mouth. Maybe it was just a mistake. Maybe yeah. you just oh misspoke. I've had some right. foot in mouth. So moments. so so it's just a mistake. And yeah. and see the heart of someone. Yeah. So look through that and see the heart and the intentions uh, that we're having. And it's a, it's an area where we're all growing. Mm-hmm. So we all sort of can suck at it. We all can improve at it, etc. And there and it's. Josh made the point at the end of the episode, like it's sort of the next generation, it's growing. So it's growing in interest, it's growing in challenge, it's growing in importance. But we're too, too, too much too much words I around know, it. Let's not do the episode let's before the episode. Let's not do it before Jeez. the episode. I know, I blew it. So what's what's happening on the Kazi front, Josh? Kazi front, we are back. Uh, summer's over, which means I'm done traveling. Just got back. From so are you going to commit to Kazi? Because I've been missing I, it, man. Don't you start with me. <laughs> Yes, so I'm no longer at the beaches or anything like that, chasing the kids around the country. That's right. For you get the, I get this lame email. I'm sitting, the the waves are lapping at my feet, and I have a beer and my sudsy one in my hand, so I can't do the the stream. So we're back to Friday streams, 11 a.m. Okay. Eastern. Let's <laughs> try to get us back on track here. Jeez, uh, 11 a.m. Eastern on Fridays. Bob and I have set up some of our next recording sessions, so the likelihood of Bob being on a stream is good. Is very and high. I'm, and I'm excited. Yeah. Can I talk? I can you talk. You will be able to I talk. I will be able to talk. <laughs> yes. Thank you. So all these things, again, I encourage you to find another location where you can get free coaching, free mentorship in a million different directions of this caliber for this price. What's the price, Bob? Free. Free. That's right. Free. That's right. It's a gimme. It's yeah. a giveaway. Yeah. And you get two huge brains for the price of one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, on a, on another t- quick topic, um, we want your feedback. So, we just did a three uh, a few episodes ago. We did a three part 
leaving the nest, kicking your butt out of the nest, landing well uh, series on finding new opportunities. And we've gotten some incredible feedback from listeners on that. Uh, and the hit rates have been great. And so what we're looking for is feedback on that, but other topics, other soft topics. We're sort of making a little bit of a turn here where we're like diversity or leaving the nest. Uh, I'm really intrigued by by some of these softer skills, you know, improvement um, sorts of topics. Mm-hmm. So if you want, if you have something like that, send it in. So give us feedback on what we're doing. If you see a pivot there, point it out to us. Uh, there's virtually nothing that Josh and I won't talk about. That's correct. <laughs> so Or try to talk about. So uh, get, send us your feedback. Uh, all is good. The other thing is get the word out there in the Metacast. Uh, the other thing is Agile for Humans is we should have that should be coming if it's not out already. I don't know if it's out yet or not. We'll have to check. But Josh and I did a uh, podcast with uh, Ryan Ripley mm-hmm. on Agile for Humans, so look for that as well. I think it's on to the episode. On to the episode. All right. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson, and I'm Bob Galen. <laughs> Bob said he wouldn't start unless I answered a very specific question, so I just started you have the to podcast. Answer, you have to answer the question. Come on. What What animal would you like to be referred to as by? I, is not the weasel good enough? The weasel's not good enough. Clearly, you were offended by my weasel a few minutes ago. So what? And your repeated weasel attacks. So, but I just I just embraced my weaselness. So you can call me the weasel. But what what can I call you? The albatross? A dolphin. A dolphin. <laughs> they're smart. They're fast. <laughs> they're in and they're out. <laughs> the dolphin? <laughs> you pulled that out. What? I, it slipped out, I guess. <laughs> they're, the dolphin. They're smart. I can't even do a dolphin noise like Thank Flipper. Good, remember good, Flipper? Yes, I do remember Flipper. Flipper, yes. yeah. Please don't. I'm going to look at you now, years. and I'm going to. I, I was tempted to try to do a Flipper. I'm so glad you didn't. I know everybody would have turned off this episode. Exactly. Uh uh-huh. So while we're on the diversity of, of the animal kingdom, okay, cool. And the various creatures that are out there. What a segue! I got to work so hard to do this. <laughs> We're going to talk about diversity in the workplace, in your team, everywhere. Where, this came out in our, um, our what, we forgot diversity we were talking about. It was part of the leave the nest and land safely. No, and actually it was the uh, conversation. It was the communication. Everyone oh. gets a voice. Remember that one? Okay. So it was outside of the three-part series. It was the... Uh, what uh, hearing everyone getting everyone's opinion or yeah, something like the that. The team based decision team based decision yeah. making. Yeah. yeah, it was one of those things as soon as we hit stop, I saw diversity like flash across my brain. So like, the diversity oh, no, of the opinions yeah, and the diversity of the voices. And right. we didn't even mention it. No. So this is a this is sort of a, a part two to that, but really like a deep dive into yeah. aspects of diversity, right? Yep. yep. Uh, and maybe embracing them in teams, like valuing them and embracing them. Well, to me, them. the thing I want to walk away with is have everybody understand the value of diversity that's coming out of this. Right? That, that's, the, that's the end goal for me, that when you hit the next episode or you go and listen to your next podcast and you walk into work the next day, you try and find a way to become more diverse, either yourself or your team. Right. That's my goal. Cool. So we're going to do it. We're going to tackle cool. it. 
The one thing that I, I printed out, Metacasters, if you've historically paid attention, Josh does not like to be fed any documentation whatsoever for pre-Metacast. He's, he's more of a um, wing-it kind of person. Uh, that shouldn't surprise anyone. And uh, That's I, so what I, dolphins do. So I attended the Agile Conference in D.C., and there was a wonderful, I attended a wonderful presentation by Cheryl Hammond, who works for Pivotal, mm-hmm. and she talked about diversity, and she had this slide that talked about all the aspects of diversity. So we're going to sort of maybe cherry-pick some of these to broaden and deepen our, our discussion. So why don't we start with, like, the I, basics? Well, and I want to just give uh, evolution of my diversity plan. When I first started hiring people, and it's how I was raised, at least that's what I'm blaming it on, um, as I was raised in the, in the computer science world, if, if your resume came to my inbox and it did not have a computer science degree on it, that was it. Done. Done. Just in the, not, in, yep, in, the, it. in the circular file. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Not even going to spend another brain cell on it. I maybe was a bigot, like a uh, university bigot, maybe really a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But then, I don't know when it changed, but it was decades ago in my hiring. Um, I hired someone with like a an odd degree, like a history degree mm-hmm. or political science or something into, as a programmer. Mm-hmm. And they just were wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I saw the difference. And they weren't like a prototypical CS geek. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? They were different. Mm-hmm. They could they could program, but they had other interests and things. Yeah. And you could tell that in the team. And it just brought this wonderful sort of interest. Like uh, at Eye Contact once I hired this PhD in music. He mm-hmm. went to uh, a university uh, a southern like a Southern California university, got a PhD in music, and he had a jazz trio. Mm-hmm. Michael uh, Pels Sherman was his is his name. And uh it was, and he was a programmer, but he had this just. He once we did a, a meeting at mm-hmm. Eye Contact, and he brought his jazz trio in for one of our agile meetings. Right, and they were doing um, a, what is it when you're feeding off of each other uh, improvisation? Mm-hmm. They were doing musical improv uh, to talk about like team improv, and I just rem- I just remember thinking to myself, okay, that was like one of the most magical hires I've ever made. Right, is bringing him into his into the team. Mm-hmm. And he did not have he didn't have any engineering academically, mm-hmm. right? It was all music, like undergrad music, PhD music, uh, and that was that was like an aha for me. Yeah, my aha was I ended up working for somebody that I respected greatly, and at the time, not having a, a degree was still a thing. And I found out after working for this guy for about a year, he didn't have a degree, and it was because he was so talented, he just kind of started his own business in high school. And then that turned into this and he got this gig and was like, well, this dude's super talented. And, and how do you, I, my mind was blown because I was again, raised in the very Midwest, you know, you, you go to college, you get a degree and you go do that thing forever. Well, there's two aspects here, right? It's, uh, do you have a computer science and then you have the degree? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people over the years that I hired that had dropped out, mm-hmm. right? They went for a year or something. Yeah. I mean, Bill Gates was what went to Harvard and dropped out. I don't think he got a Harvard degree. Mm-hmm. I know he went to Harvard for like a year. He met, uh, what was the guy who recently died? Um, Paul Allen, Paul Allen. Mm-hmm. And he met Paul Allen at Harvard 
And uh, then they left. They were they had this synergy, I think, in, after a year, plus or minus. And uh, so I don't think Bill Gates ever got a degree. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are these. So it's do you have a CS degree? And then do you have a degree? Yeah. So are you degreed? And then mm-hmm. there are people who vary it, you know, vary it into yeah. other disciplines and stuff. And both of them, I think, are, you know, I, I was sort of bigoted for a while. There, even computer engineering. At one point, yeah. computer science. So computer engineering was a thing mm-hmm. that trumped computer science. So I would only, like hardware engineers, I would you know, you would only hire people who had, right. like, done assembler language and Ugh, things like yeah. that. Right. Yeah, so I, that's one aspect. That, so I so I came from this place where if you didn't have a computer science degree, weren't even considered to the last team I built. I remember stopping and thinking, and I it I didn't do it on purpose. It just kind of happened. Seventy five percent of the team didn't have a degree at all, and only two of us had computer science at, uh, degrees. At the dude? No, um, at Broadvine. So a couple at jobs Broadvine, ago. Yeah, which I got to hire the entire team. So I I hired them all from scratch. Three quarters didn't have a degree at all. And there were only two of us that had a computer science degree. And I was one of them. I didn't really count, right? Because I wasn't writing code. Um, And that team was fantastic. I would hire that that whole group again. Nowadays, though, that people, kids or generations don't do the degree. They, they, don't they start programming very young? Yeah. To me, there's the, the opportunity and the, diversity of ways to learn coding is yeah. increased greatly. Yeah. Think about how you learn coding. I was just simply university. Right. I mean, I was just academic because learning. the cost of the computer yeah, exactly. was so expensive exactly. and you've talked about doing punch cards. Exactly. You know, thank so you that, for bringing that up. Well, Josh. but I mean, that's the thing is like, you don't get punch cards in your basement. Yeah. Like no one, true. no one has it's, that. Well, no one had, I mean, mainframe, I was programming on the mainframe. Yeah. No one could afford a mainframe. Right. right. So that, so your availability to acquire the skills is ridiculous compared to the way it was. And then you pair that with the cost of traditional universities. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big difference. Now, what I, what I don't want people to walk away from this is that, um, to me, there's value in a computer science degree. There are things that you learn in that path that help you become a good developer, but you don't need to go down that path to learn those things. Right. So that's the, to me, that's the biggest thing. And the goal of this episode, again, is to understand diversity and its broad spectrum. And the thing I talk about when hiring people or when building teams is <clears throat> let's focus on diversity in all directions. The the easy diversity is the type you see. What I'm after more about is the diversity that you don't see. You talk about experience or languages from a coding side or big company, small company, uh, B2C, B2B, web, desktop, all of those things. The goal for me, and I stumbled into this um, because I got frustrated Back in the day, I was building a, a .NET team, but .NET was brand new. So how was I going to build a team of .NET developers right. when it was the beta of .NET? I couldn't go and get somebody with 15 years of .NET experience. Sure, I could go get a VB6 guy, which I was, or whatever was out there. But there, there, there was no bench strength in that technology because it didn't exist. So I ended up hiring 
people with all kinds of different talents that in the end just knew how to build great software. Right. And that taught me that a language is just a tool. They all kind of work the same. The, the, the complexity is being able to decompose a difficult business problem and wrap code around it. What kind of brackets you use, whether you use a semicolon, all those things in the end don't really matter. It's can I take this terribly complex problem and wrap some flavor of code on the problem and have it work, right? That's, that's the, that's the challenge. What you do it with to me, I found doesn't really matter. And a great developer is a great developer and learning a language when you're a great developer, it's just syntax. Again, yes, there's some nuances of you got to understand the way C sharp performs versus Java or whatever those things that are out there. But in the end, if you have a diverse team and you have people that have done it and have done it or, and have not done it, then, then you're going to end up with the best of both worlds. Right. I mean, so you're focusing on technical and I'm not downplaying it. Mm-hmm. It's technical diversity. Uh, what other that's broadened it out? There's a guy I met at, at um, and I'm, I'm searching for his name, and I'm not going to remember his name. I can picture his face on LinkedIn, uh, but he has uh, he he talks about neurodiversity, mm-hmm. and he's he's got uh, not what is it uh, not ADHD or something. Uh, he's 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 got very light. Uh, what's a Autism. Autism. Mm-hmm. He's autistic. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's leading a team. He worked at Red Hat for a while in a DevOps team. Mm-hmm. And he writes about neurodiversity. And just, uh, and he's, he's, he's very, um, he's a sharp leader at a company. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and just, I don't know, just bring what he brings to play, uh, the autistic view. Like mm-hmm. he has strengths from his mm-hmm. an autism perspective. Uh, but what needs to happen is the team needs to be sort of aware of that mm-hmm. and to be not tolerant, but be sort of embracing of that and accepting of that. But that's true of all things, right? So let's let's go back to that realm um, where it was .NET was in the beta and we decided to be a .NET shop. We had to have a group of people that worked in all different languages, all different backgrounds, and they had to be open to each other that neither of us know what the answers are, but we're going to work together. We're going to use your ideas and your ideas and your ideas, and we're going to put them together. And in the end, the best answers are going to shake out in the end. But I've got to understand that, Bob, you don't know Java, but I'm talking about Java and how it worked, and maybe we can apply that approach to this new .NET thing, and maybe it will work. And you've got to say, okay, well, but I've spent some time in .NET, and that's not how it works, but you've got to have that that safe discussion or else it doesn't happen. So you have to understand where people are coming from their path to you. Why don't you have have that discussion? I mean, I think you have to create that. It helps. Yeah. I mean, I remember at, uh, when I worked at Bell and Howe, um, we, I, I, I had this epiphany there that we were hiring middle-aged white guys Mm -hmm. who wore business casual dockers and button down shirts. And we weren't intending to do that. But we were hiring ourselves. Yeah. And so I had this discovery period. At one point, I just sort of lifted my head up and I'm like, holy sh- crap, we've just hired like mirrors of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Again, not maliciously, not intentionally, but we weren't, we weren't 
recruiting for diversity. We weren't looking. Um, and then I remembered this guy from Charlotte. Uh, he was African-American. He had this big afro. He had, he was, had a theater background. Mm-hmm. And we were hiring for a scrum master role. So Douglas, Douglas Welton, I'm connected to him um, lightly. He was the antithesis of what, he was almost virtually the antithesis mm-hmm. of what we looked for. And I remember I had to prepare the team for Douglas before he showed up. Like if I wouldn't have prepared the team, uh, he would have probably bounced off of us. Mm-hmm. Like we would have filtered him out. And I, I didn't, sort of, I didn't set the deck, but I was like, I was talking about diversity. I was talking about, look at us, we're the same old. We really need to sort of disrupt ourselves. Yeah. We really need to sort of hire different people. Uh, etc. And it and was my intention. I actually didn't go out on the limb, but I'm like, I intend to disrupt us. As a leader, I am trying to do that. So I don't know if Douglas is the right person or not, mm-hmm. but we have to, We I want everyone to challenge themselves, right? We have to start looking beyond ourselves. And so that's the key. As I was driving over here this morning, it hit me that if your team is not diverse, you're lazy. Right. You're lazy because it is so easy to hire that same person over and over again and build this army of robots. Yeah. Everybody does the same thing, and that's easy. Yep. And okay, yeah, we'll get the same thing. But your ability to go do something fantastic is really limited because everybody's walking around with the same right. tool. Everybody's walking around with a hammer trying to find a nail. I'm, I mean, finding finding women in technology is hard. You have to, I think from a recruiting perspective, what do they call it, STEM or something like that, like Mm -hmm. folks who are studying, it's not, there's not a lot of women in that area. Uh, If you look at engineering teams, you don't see a lot of women. I I think still it's probably true. It's it's changing, but it's not, so it's part of the, the work is preparing the team for it, but part of it is finding them, right? Right. Is mining for them. Uh, maybe you have to take a risk on skills. Maybe they're a diamond in the rough or something like that. And you have to, t- the risk is the wrong way, but you have to stretch yourself. You have to believe that diversity, that the value someone has is in, in their diverse approach or, or their integration in your team yeah. is greater than you know, maybe their technical chops or something like that, right? Uh, but it, to your point, it's, it's hard work. I think it's harder work. Well, it, it's, it's harder in a couple of different ways. One, you can't be lazy with your culture. Yeah. You have to create a culture, that safe space I was talking about, to right. where people feel comfortable walking in, feeling different. Looking different, but feeling different. Yep. Knowing I'm not the same person they've hired over and over and over again. Right. So you have to create the culture where that person's comfortable walking in. Also, the other laziness is in the recruiting process. Right. Because you get, you build up your same questions, your same approach. Everybody answers the same way. If you don't answer it this way, you're out. Right. When in reality, maybe that slightly different answer might be a better option. You just right. didn't have the internal mental diversity in your brain to discover it or to figure it out or to understand it. So you have to, you, you can't use those layup questions about, Write me some VB code right. that does this. Right. You have to be ready, willing, and able to have anybody get up on that whiteboard, use any language, and talk about anything, and really dig in and understand, is this person a great problem solver? Because that's really what it gets down to, is we're all solving problems. Finding a good problem solver versus somebody that checks all of the boxes off on the resume is a lot harder. 
It, uh, I, I agree with you. It's it's sort of the I, Ralph Kosuba. I mean, we may have talked in the Metacast once about his three A's of um, of interviewing, and it was attitude, aptitude, and then skill or ability, directability. Mm-hmm. And normally what you're talking about is we flip it and we interview for ability, mm-hmm. like coding skills yeah, in the language that's du jour. That's easier to validate. Because it's easier to validate. But we, it, and again, when I worked with Ralph, we really did try to interview for attitude first. Mm-hmm. And then aptitude, the ability to learn, right? And we put skills third. And that changes the interview. And, mm-hmm. it, and it allows, one of the things, the indirect things that it does is it allows for diversity, I think. Mm-hmm. Because you're not you're not filtering on skill. Right. You're you actually looking for potential. Yeah. Right. Right? Yep. Yeah. You're interviewing for potential. You're interviewing for differences, right? That attitude, that can-do attitude. You can have anyone generationally in that. Mm-hmm. Skill, you know, they could have, and that's what you were doing with your, not focusing on the technology stacks right. idea as well. Well, and the biggest thing that always hit me was the technology we used in a job when I walked out the door versus when I walked in the door, they weren't exactly the same. Right, right. It wasn't like, hey, we are using VB6, and we're going to write VB6 forever on SQL Server 6.5. Those are the things I started with, so that's why it's in my brain. But at the end, we started doing .NET, so we had to figure this whole thing out. Like, what are we going to do? So do we just have a bunch of VB6 programmers that know how to write VB6? And if it's anything, and it's not in the wheelhouse – it's uncomfortable and we're not going to do it very well, then you as a company aren't going to evolve and somebody's going to lap you. Right. All right. So having that innovative mindset, that problem solving mindset is the key to really hiring well. And I think that's not just developers. That's across the board. That's across the board. Yeah. It's a, it's a cultural thing. I just want to read some of these diversities and see if you react to any of them. Mm-hmm. So the first column, and this is just metacasters from a slide. And we can share this with you, but race, color, ethnicity, national origin, uh, religion, mm-hmm. sex, age, um, disability, sexual orientation, marital status, and then veteran status. So it's really uh, one of the things that I'm. I'm. I'm I just uh, connected with a group to coach veterans mm-hmm. or people in the military who want to then come to. Civilian make the transition to civilian life, and I'm I'm coaching this one guy. He's a project manager ish person in the military, and he's thinking about agile. Mm-hmm. And I just had one conversation with him, and it's sort of, you know, that military background is an interesting background, mm-hmm. right? To come in, it's very you you think of it in agile as it's command and control, but it's not actually. The right. reality is it's it's actually very agile centric. The mm-hmm. way that you, they lead right. in most of the branches of the military. But how do we how do we help those folks? Mm-hmm. It's harder work. How do we help them translate? Uh, and I and I, I think that's the reason I listed those things. It's just the depth and breadth. Um, I'm starting to, as a leader, I think the better teams, the more eclectic the mix of membership we have, the better the team. Mm-hmm. But to your point, it requires like age, for example. That you know, if I had a, a youthful team. I think they would. You'd have to guide them through hiring a sixty-year-old. Do you know what I'm? I I don't know if they would naturally go I, so to that. To me, the thing in building teams and building organizations, you have to teach people what to look for. Yeah. Again, because so few people have been educated in the hiring process and how to do it well. That when I go in and when I land somewhere and we're going to have our first hire. 
we sit down and we talk about how we do this and what matters and what doesn't matter because it's easy when it's your first time through the hiring process to get yourself to a yes or a no on a person with those check boxes. Right. right? It's easier. Does right. this person know this? Do they know this? Do they know this? Okay, cool. Let's hire them as opposed to, okay, scrap all that. Are they a good teammate? Right. How do you figure that out? Are they a good problem solver? Right. How do you figure that out? Right. So you have to coach people through that. And it's a little bit messy at first. And I, I, I found myself through those first hires. I sit in all of the interviews from start to finish less for the people that we're trying to hire and more for the team that is doing the hiring and to coach them along the way. I, and after to yeah. say, okay, I, I think you saw this. But this is what I saw. Let's discuss that and figure out what the right answer is. You're sort of getting, and I think it's different than just teaching. I think it's your mentoring, your teaching, your role modeling, mm-hmm. your guiding, mm-hmm. your coaching. All of those things is what I'm expanding what you said because I think, and it's the role of the leader in sort of opening the door to diversity. Yeah. Like, I don't know if folks naturally go to diversity. I think we probably have a... It's we're, harder. We're, and it's harder. We're lazy. And, and well, and we're wired to sames, right? We're wired to, you know, generationally. I mean, I, I walk into a lot of companies and I see generational sameness, right? right? Everyone is like, you know, 30 or under or something. In all but, so I agree with you, but I want to disagree with you a little bit that I've been able to build diverse teams where diversity became the sameness that we were after. People got uncomfortable if if we started hiring a trend of people that yeah. looked the same. But you but you made that point. You taught. Yeah. And you so you set the culture up for that. Mm-hmm. I guess my point is, I, if you weren't there, I don't know if that would naturally happen. No, it does. I think it's right, laziness yeah. and a, yeah. and maybe a, a, we're default wired to sameness. Mm-hmm. But if you can get in there and disrupt that as a leader and make it okay and increase the awareness then I think you're right. It can sort of take a, a life of its own. Right. Because diversity becomes the norm. Yeah, exactly. Which is what you're right. saying, rather than lack of diversity yeah. becoming the norm, right? Uh, but but it's getting it over It's getting over that hump. Uh, the, another list, citizenship status, language proficiency. I see. Uh, so being able to really listen deeply, mm-hmm. uh, I find that in the certifications, like the Scrum coaching certifications, it's a written certification, and people uh, who are non-English speakers uh, as their first language really struggle mm-hmm. to communicate effectively and coach them over that. So you see that be- <clears throat> that that would could require like some coaching on your part, yeah. Uh, maybe even just listening, slowing someone down, or or this is what I heard. Back mm-hmm. to your point, I heard yeah. them say this: gender, gender expression, relationship status, family structure. Size, I think that's like physical size mm-hmm. to some degree. Uh, you know, having folks that are, you know, having folks who are thin, having folks who are obese, it's okay. Right. Uh, having folks who have long hair, having folks who are bald, it's okay. Well, and so Body that, tight. Right. And that's something that just buying lunches for your team, something that has become the norm that I can tell you 10 years ago, crap, maybe five years ago, I didn't think about was, okay, we're going to order lunch for the team. Do we have any vegetarians? Uh, Do we have any people that um, don't eat bread, that have dietary issues? What kind of dietary issues are out there? Whereas I would have always just bought pizza, and there always would have been some sort of meat on it. Right. And I would have ostracized some percentage of my team like, oh, man, this guy really doesn't care about me. 
he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know I don't like right. that. Like that's that's just I I don't do that or I can't do that. So being inclusive across the board around these things that you can't see, you have to invest the time. I was lazy. I just bought pizza over and over again, yeah. and I didn't even notice that somebody wasn't eating because I was a jerk. Uh, Cheryl brought up an interesting. She talked about celiac, and I liked her. So someone on the team, this was one of her examples, mm-hmm. has celiac, and she says sometimes you, we as leaders or teams, we and we're analytical, we're engineers. We might go to Wikipedia and look up celiac, and we understand the difference, mm-hmm. and then we try to tell them, oh, it's not really. It gets misdiagnosed. So her example was, we go to Wikipedia, and someone says, I have celiac. And instead of embracing that, we, you know, our little uh, programmer hearts go to Wikipedia, find out like 10, you know, 90% of it is is misdiagnosed. Mm -hmm. And then we start arguing with someone and saying, well, maybe you're misdiagnosed. Maybe you can have pepperoni on your pizza. Instead of just embracing it and say, you know, if they say they want a salad, guess what? Yeah. Get them a freaking salad, right? Don't don't overanalyze it. Don't make them an excess. So part of this diversity is it's the, so it's not, you know, abnormal to have someone not order. It's Mm -hmm. the norm, Mm -hmm. right? The norm is embrace the differences, right? Right. Don't, don't react any differently. You want to sell? You got to sell. What do you want on it? Tell me. Right. All right. I will serve, you know, I will get that for you and I won't try to analyze your illness or your desire or whatever. That's, that's, that's personal to you. Right. Right. And I think, but uh, again, we're not, I don't know how well we do that, and I think that's part of that like reprogramming that we have to do. To me, I, and again, maybe it's the jerk stance. Maybe it's not. But I think if you're not doing these things, you're lazy. And I feel comfortable saying that because I was lazy I, I when like, I did it. I like your – you know, I didn't go into this Metacast with that, but I, I do like your, your phrase, right? Because it's, it's easy to just buy pizza every time. And get pepperoni and sausage on it and throw it on the table and walk away. Say, hey, I fed the team. It's not just the food, though. It's easy to hire the same. It's easy to look at the world like uh, Josh. You Mm -hmm. grew up in Ohio. Right. You know, you have a steel, whatever it is, your background, you know, my family, we ate this. I grew up in Pennsylvania. It's easy to look at the world like everyone is from central Pennsylvania. Everyone is from Amish country, farm, background, central Pennsylvania, and they eat meat and potatoes. Yeah. Right. That's that's there's easy there's a variety of easy or laziness that we have mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's totally inappropriate today. Um, I think leaders. I didn't go into this metacast thinking that, but it's always been inappropriate. It's just we know it more now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and and rude and it doesn't and it's and then people haven't. I think people are also chiming in now mm-hmm. and challenging it. Right, whereas. They would just tolerate it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it's, there have been enough voices. There have been enough things to give people comfort stepping forward and saying, Hey, I'm a vegetarian or I'm a vegan or, or gluten free or whatever it is. Right. right? Or, and it's part of it is embracing it though, too. It's like, uh, we have friends who are gluten free, not wrinkling your nose, not making it painful, not acting like it's, you know, if we're going to invite them for dinner, it's, it just embracing that. No problem. We will figure that out together. Yeah. So there's this inclusiveness that we have. So it's, there's doing it, uh, I don't know, in a, in a welcoming way, in a friendly way, mm-hmm. in a, it's just as important as my meat, my pepperoni pizza, right? right? It is eat whatever you want. We are on equal playing fields with diversity. And, and, and if, if you are a young aspiring leader out there or a young leader, 
I can assure you, the next generation is going to really, really care about this stuff. Because I got kids that are 15, 13, and 9, and all of this stuff is important to them. They have friends across the spectrum. Of all of all these things that you've, you've listed, I can tell you they have friends that are different in everything that you mentioned. Right. And it's the norm. That's the way they roll. And it's not – they don't think twice about it because right. that's how it should be. And they've seen parts of the world try and pretend this stuff doesn't matter. Right. And they're comfortable standing up and saying, that's just dumb. Right. Like, you guys don't get it. So if you haven't figured this out now and you're looking around at your team and you want to hire the next generation of developers, you better figure this out really quick. So when really finishing up the list, uh, pregnancy, injury, mm-hmm. chronic illness, neurodiversity, learning differences, sensory differences, uh, so hard of hearing, blindness, mm-hmm. ADHD, depression, anxiety, trauma. Uh, so someone who was raped is a, is a trauma example mm-hmm. or fired unnecessarily from their last job and then medication as well. So if you think there's, that's a lot of words uh, Carol, I forget her last name, worked with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember? What's her last name? She formed Oak. Versalino. Versalino. Yeah. She reacted on LinkedIn recently about a pregnancy. There was mm-hmm. a, someone was talking about pregnancy, and she was pregnant at a company. Yeah. And uh, what was it? It was not handled very well. It was, well, they, they treated her differently yeah. because she was pregnant. Right. Uh, her boss came to her, I guess, and said, you know, I don't know if I, I want to take work from you or something, or I want to make it easy on you. Well, and also the hiring process is scary. So, yeah. I, so I've been doing some hiring lately, and a lot of females have come through. And, and one of them, who I know very well, was uncomfortable asking me about maternity leave. Right. You know, because she's like... You know, maybe I'm pregnant, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm going to be pregnant, but yeah. how's this going to work out? And yeah. and that changes the hiring process. How is that company going to react right. if this family is going to have a baby and right. that's going to take them away from their job for right. some period of time? How how open is that? And that maternity, paternity leave is becoming a bigger and bigger thing because people understand Absolutely. the value of it. And the more progressive companies kind of becoming the norm now are aggressive with it and right. say everybody where there's a new baby, they get X months off and that's it. And we right. want to talk about it and we want to put right. it out there. So that way you understand this is how we roll and we support that. And it's important. Well, there's that, but also not treat them differently. Right. I think in Carol's case, she was treated differently Yeah, and she resented it. It's well, like, I am not, I am not in just because I'm pregnant doesn't mean I've lost brain cells or I, I'm incapable. Right. I have been places where the HR director said to me, I'm not sure we should hire that person because I think they're pregnant. Yeah. And I said, well, number one, you don't know that they are. Right. And number two, why does it matter? If we have the opportunity to hire somebody great, great, let's do it. Let's do it. Right. So I'm not focusing on that, but it's like, how do we, how do we sort of approach people? Uh, part of the diversity is on the hiring side. Part of it is just asking. Mm-hmm. And so instead of assuming, like in, in using Carol, that case, it's like asking, do you think, you know, are, are, are you okay taking on this role? Mm-hmm. Uh, not not on a hiring or a new role. You're already here. You're an employee. But are you okay? This is going to require a lot of work. Is that, you know, is that fine? Or having that conversation, instead of making assumptions about people, talk to them, engage them, right? You're gluten-free. What can we do? Right. Right. What can, in, in, instead of assumptions, either ignoring it or overreacting to it, 
establishing about yeah overreacting causes a problem more as well yeah so that that's the that's the real challenge the one thing that i was terrible at and thankful thankfully my lovely wife has corrected me many many times on this is really understanding the diversity of paths that people have to get to you so i talk a lot about everybody has a different path to now and understanding how they got there so the first column that you talked about race origin gender all those things that that's that's how was i born right, right? and then right. and then there's a path which is that middle gender expression family structure size how did i how did i become who i am and then the current thing pregnancy and injury and anxiety of that's what's happening to me right now and understanding that path of how that person got there you have to invest the time to understand it to really to really support them. The other thing that um, is the non-stereotype. Mm -hmm. So uh, Cheryl made this point, and, and her mother apparently is deaf, and she made the point of she grew up with a deaf mother, but her mother's deafness was she didn't sign. She learned to read lips, and she learned to talk. So she went to a deaf school where mm -hmm. they, she learned to speak with an accent but speak, um, and speak relatively well uh but not all deaf people do that and cheryl's point was when she encountered the first deaf person in in business or whatever she sort of stereotyped them i mean her only experience was her mom yeah and she put her you know the behavior that she had with her mom on this person well they had an entirely different set of skills and so the point is she's like if you've if you've met one deaf person you've met one Mm -hmm. If you meet another one, you have to explore them. Yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, pregnant. If you've if you've hired one pregnant uh, woman, mm -hmm. you have only hired one. You right. can't you can't put that on the next hundred pregnant women you encounter in the workplace. Right. Mm -hmm. It's you deal with everyone on an individual basis. Right. You have individual conversations. You get to know them. Uh, you adapt. Uh, you ask. You have. Con you don't. You don't sort of assume anything. I think that's a safe ground as well, yeah. right? It's just meet people where they are. Don't bring our baggage. It's it's sort of our baggage that we mm -hmm. bring. Don't oh, bring, absolutely. Yeah. Try, try not to. Try to leave your baggage behind. And more discover and ask uh, what's going on. Uh, and, in fact, she talked about uh, she she has people reporting to her, and she hired a, de uh, a deaf person somewhere or uh, Pivotal hired someone. And instead of assuming, she said her default reaction was to assume, but then she had this discovery of she just asked, mm -hmm. right? And it worked out fine because the person on the first day when they came in, they established norms. They're like, oh, okay, this is how to, this is how I'm going to integrate. Right. Instead of having someone set it up, right? They yeah. like set up their office in advance mm -hmm. with their baggage and things. Have we... So let's wrap up. What what is what is sort of the core messages from a diversity point of view that we were trying to that we that we sort of circled around? Maybe one of them is is meet everyone as an individual, right? Mm -hmm. deal, deal with everyone, deal, uh, engage, collaborate with everyone. Like the uniqueness of everyone, appreciate the uniqueness of yeah. everyone, and, and discover their uniqueness and engage them. Yeah. That, so the core principle is: if you're not diverse, you're lazy. And so the things that you just labeled, that takes effort and energy and focus Absolutely. to go and figure that out, to really understand everybody's path, to create the culture where it's safe and welcoming across the board, to create a hiring process that enables that and doesn't close the door on any of these labels that right. are out there. Right. Because that happens so often. And like I said, when I started, 
I closed a lot of doors like an idiot when I shouldn't have done that right. because I didn't know any better. I was lazy. I hadn't learned yet. So I went through this process and learned. I look back like, man, that was just, I, I felt terrible, you know? So, the, but I changed things and it's harder. It is harder. It's harder to work with a recruiting firm. Re, uh, recruiting firm wants a bunch of checklists where they can run it through their search engine. Yep. They give you a bunch of easy answers and say, here, talk to these people. I spend as little money as possible to earn your money. So here yep. we go. We're done. Yep. So all those things take effort and energy and it's, it's not a one-time thing. No, it's, I mean, it's ongoing diversity, diversity. Um, maybe one way to wrap this up is I go back to Douglas. Remember Douglas? I talked about mm-hmm. him at Bell and Howe and we hired him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we managed to, in spite of, <laughs> despite ourselves, we, we hired him. He was one of the, at a team level, the team was like, holy crap, this is one of the best things we've ever done. Yeah. Right. He, yeah, I- he came in and he just was himself yeah. and he was different than we were. And, uh, it was just a wonderful compliment. Yeah. Uh, Michael Pell Sherman, the musician was just a wonderful compliment. He wasn't a perfect developer, but he brought intent. The other thing with diversity is people bring into, it's not all writing code, mm-hmm. right? It's not all sort of typing. It's how do we, how inclusive are we in meetings? How do we communicate with the respect mm-hmm. of opinions and things like that? All those intangibles that came in, uh, Douglas brought in fun. We were so damned serious. So not only were we were in Docker mode, but we, we took ourselves too freaking seriously, I think. And I mean, I'm talking like 50. The other thing with diversity, I mean, you want more of it, but we, let's say we had 50 people at the time. One Douglas blew our heads up. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm, it's, it's funny to see like, like, you know, just sort of, you can be so disruptive in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was sort of hilarious in hindsight to see how, how, what that did to us and how it changed us. And then it was like a snowball. It was a snowball effect that was going on. Do you think we stuck a fork in this? I think we did a decent job. Just a decent just job? Just a decent job. All right. Did we miss anything? No. Well, I'm sure as soon as we hit the stop button, we'll realize that we missed right. something. But All you right. know what? We'll have another episode. Right. Maybe we need to. So you and I, do we, do we have any diversity? What do you think? Age diversity. Age diversity. Actually, age diversity has been one of our key things Mm -hmm. that I've appreciated in our Metacast, right? Like generational, age generational diversity, Mm -hmm. uh, looking at, looking at things because there's like 20, 20 plus or minus years Mm -hmm. between us. Uh, Anything else? Technology. Uh, Yeah. The technology has been very, I mean, I can't even spell technology, you know, you say .net, I have no idea what the hell that is. I mean, is. to me, there's another big diversity issue that you're overlooking. What is it, Josh? Word count. So there's that. There's, there's size. A, there's you're a, bigger than I am. You're more. Don't, don't, don't try and change topics so I quickly. <laughs> <laughs> don't you do that. <laughs> <laughs> You tried to pretend I didn't I, say anything. I tried. I tried. It, well, it, it didn't work. Steamroll the word count issue. Yeah, all right, word, there is word count diversity. There is a sizable, but you discrepancy. You, you produce quality, though. I don't have a choice, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I think I think the dynamic between you and I there's some, there's some critical diverse points that make the Metacast uh, that at least has made us resilient over time and valuable over time. Yeah. But to me, it gets down to the core of what we believe in, which when you wipe away all of those labels that we talked about, the core of the people have to align. Yeah. Right. The core. So many times we go into an episode and we're hoping we're going to disagree. 
But in the end, we, we realized we kind of sort of disagree, and it's just because our paths to get there was different. Right. Your experience was different than mine. But in right. the end, we land on the same answer. And that's, that's, a, that's probably the, the nugget or the kernel is you want diversity that all aligns around two principles or something like mm-hmm. that. There's like core principles, yeah. core, core goals of any company or any group, yeah. or for us, the Medicast, et cetera. Yep. Cool. So it. let's stick a fork in the sucker. Okay. So everyone from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all.